A good person brings good out of the treasure of good things in their heart. A bad person brings bad out of the treasures of bad things. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's Luke 6:45. Strikers, how do we make sure we're speaking life into the world? Let's find out next on the Mighty Anvil. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution, and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back in the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Strikers, back to the Mighty Anvil. The um, Mighty Anvil. The Mighty Anvil. You can do that again. The Mighty Anvil. Yes. I, I should do voiceovers. We, I'm, I'm, dude, I've, I've told you that I would pay you I'm to come sit in my room wrong. before I go to bed and just read the you Bible. Know, my sister too. works in Hollywood. I could actually probably like, hey, set me up. I'm, we'll, I'll make the phone call later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on the brushing this week, uh, Rock Creek uh, has a cornhole tournament coming up. In uh, July, I'm sorry, June 26th, 6 to 8 p.m., they are raising money for a satellite church for them in the Dominican Republican. Nice. Let me say it again, Dominican Republican. Republican? The DR. The DR. Dominican? Yes. Uh, so uh, we will have a link to help raise that money on um, our Facebook, or not Facebook page. It's early, guys. I think we all know that. But, yeah, uh, it'll be on the show notes on the podcast. Uh, so sign up, throw some cornhole, and uh, eat some barbecue, and uh, hang out with some men that uh, like-minded that we are, maybe. And if you email us, we can send you uh, the link for the signups. Yes, email us. I email like us it. at the mighty. Well, sorry, at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail dot com. I like I like emails. I like to read. I like to read too. I like to read. Strikers, we got a uh, guest. It was a uh, overwhelming request to have this person on af- after they uh, joined us and brought the questions. Now they get to answer the questions. So, um, you know, sitting down and having a cup of coffee every once in a while, I think I owe him an explanation on a certain um, text that I sent him maybe a week or two ago. Uh oh. So, uh, no, no, it's a good explanation. Okay. Um, it. it talks about how uh every time i have a conversation with him he makes me better mm. changes my way of thinking and well maybe not changes but helps correct some way of thinking okay i guess that's changing yeah man i totally respect this guy he brings a lot of wealth and knowledge as well to the podcast today and welcome let's see if we can get it right josh lashua hey team good morning good morning it's nice to be with y'all uh, now that now that scott has turned up my mic i've been over here talking in silence so great to be with you. <laughs> no, I had a lot of had a lot of fun with you guys last time. Um, it's uh, very enjoyable and laid back, and your topics uh, go right to the heart. And I'm I'm this may get some. So the people that if there was anyone that actually enjoyed me being on here with you, this is probably where it takes a left hand turn. I don't really follow sports at all, and so I don't really care. So knowing about football and baseball and the weather, like I got an app for that. But mm-hmm. your conversations go much deeper, and that's honestly what I truly enjoy is deep, meaningful conversation. And so I'm just glad to be back. Thanks well, for the invite. Absolutely. That's uh, one reason why uh, I like to have you on, and we were looking forward to having you on because of those conversations that we've had in the past. Kind of go deep and maybe go down some rabbit holes and, you know, uh, correcting my stinking thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh is real good about that. As a matter of fact, I'll be sitting around and I'll say something like, oh, I hear I hear Josh's voice go. Yeah, tell me more about that. <laughs> if you know Josh, you know what that means. Since you were on as a co-host, we asked you what your core values are. Maybe you can just uh, quick hit those. Sure. How many? Uh, top three. Okay. So, thank you for asking me that. You're welcome. So, my top three in order: first would be um, be honor, generosity, and um, health are my top three, followed by a positive attitude. 
You didn't ask this, but I'll tell you. Right. Is number four, positive attitude. And five is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Emotional, emotional intelligence. I like that one. Yeah, tell me more about that one. That one is harder for me, which is why I've made it one of my core values. Um, my wife is a PhD professional counselor. She's very, very good at going there and allowing herself to be present emotionally um, without really being affected emotionally. So she can, she can attune to somebody, really hear them, um, make them feel like they're the only person in the entire room, um, and really walk through a conversation or scenario. She does it really well. Uh, I'm, I'm historically just a knuckle-dragon bro. So, like, uh, I, I'll be there with you, but historically I didn't actually care in mm. conversation with other guys. I could have a conversation, and then three minutes later you could ask me what we talked about, and I'm, mm-hmm. who are you? What? Have we talked? Have we met before? No, so um, that, that was several years ago, but made that part of my core values because I want it to be center of my focus of just being able to emotionally connect um, I think as men, and I can only speak for myself, um, it's just, just not really raised to do that and wasn't truly modeled for me uh, that that's okay um, rather than being the big tough guy and having it all look together and all the facades that we as American men can potentially put out there. Um, but no, so I've, it's, my, it's one of my core values, and it became my core value when I became a father. Hmm. And so that's funny that that became something of importance to me yeah. Because clearly I want to actually connect with my, my kiddos. Um, and it's, to be honest with you, it's, it's an uphill battle, but I've gotten better with it over the years, in my opinion. Critics may say otherwise. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in, 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 in Josh speak, tell me how that, uh, anyway, you, you had said that historically, and I find that an interesting word, knowing that we've talked to you in the, I've talked to you in the past about the language that you speak and the words that come out of your mouth, that that word historically actually puts it in there and goes, hey, I used to be that way, but now I'm working at doing it better. And I would say that uh, that is one thing that I actually do admire about you because uh, I've never noticed you not to be there. You know, you, you've always been present in, in coffee talk whenever we've had a sit, sit downs and stuff. So I think you're doing really well. I think I would give you a, a 95. I'll give you a hundred. I love you. That's nice of you. There's always room for, there's always room for improvement. Um, but no, that's, that's one of those, like I said, I, I, I put it on my list specifically because I was incredibly deficient in that area for the majority of my life. So uh, on the quick hits questions, there's, <laughs> I love how I said this. I was trying to figure out what it meant. It's like, when did you know? You're like, when did I know what? Well, I don't want to give you the, the I don't want to give you too much. I want a quick hit think thought here, right? So when did you know that Jesus loved you? May 31st, 2011. Look at that. At around 11.55 p.m. Very specific. Why? What happened? That is my testimony. Okay. This begins my testimony. Do you want the whole thing? Uh, sure. I can try to summarize it. Yeah, try to summarize it, but yeah, I'm good with that. So the majority, sure. the majority of my 20s, um, um, I'll say it this way, I made a lot of money very early in my, very early in my life. By the age of about 20 years old, I was making six figures in a small town called Waco. And so th- you're kind of, you kind of have a feeling of, hey, I'm getting, I've got it together. That compiled onto I was an alcoholic from the age of 18 through about 26. Um, those two together were not good for me. And so um, being an alcoholic, um, being an emotionally deficient man that sought relationships with women was really my, my toxin. That was, that was my, my cocktail um, mm-hmm. for the majority of my 20s. And so I, I knew who Christ was. I was raised in a Catholic church. I knew who he was, but I had no relationship whatsoever. For the majority of my 20s, I never even sought him. And there was a moment that May 31st, that evening, um, I had a sport bike uh, a Honda CBR 1000 RR. It was amazing. Oh, those are nice. Yeah, it, it would it would haul even for a big guy like me. Mm. Um, and I I barked in that night. We'd shut down a little early. I used to like to go get my adrenaline fix before I'd go home, change, and then go out for the night. And so I was an I 35 in Waco, doing about a buck fifty, buck sixty. Um, and in a moment, the man who I was, like a vivid reel, just played in my head the relationships I'd, I'd failed, the things that I'd done, just 
who I was in a, in a moment. It, it, I knew it was a moment, but for me, it was a 30 minute movie almost. Um, and, it, and I literally just hated myself. What was the trigger? Uh, there wasn't. And this is the, this is the, this is the deal. Um, it's what I like to call, or I refer to as divine intervention. So there was many, many opportunities and times and relationships where I believe the Lord had plugged into me, trying to bring me back, but I just ignored it. And because of what he had coming, in my opinion, he was like, okay, this is it today, right now. Do you think you ignored it because you didn't see it? I mean, looking back now, you, you can see and go, oh, yeah, no, that was, that was this time that he tried to intervene. This is I'm. But at that moment, do you think you ignored it because you just didn't realize what it was? Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, I didn't see the value in, in the necessary change that came along with that commitment. I knew if I drew, drew close, I knew well enough, if I actually were to draw close to Christ in any form or fashion, like showing up to church on a Sunday, yeah, right, then I wouldn't be able to stay out till 4 a.m. the night before. Like even that transition mm. wasn't worth it in my mind. And so I completely just ignored altogether what that would look like until that night. And like I said, vividly ran through my, my mind. I, I, I came to a screeching halt on the middle uh, the side of I-35, right around midnight and I just let my bike roll over. I took my helmet off. I fell to my knees. I cried out Jesus. And that's not who I was in that season. That's not even a name that I spoke to be completely honest with you. And in that moment, I just cried out to him. And so that's where I believe that's where I know the 180 in my life completely shifted. So matter of fact, the next day I went on, Whatever social media platforms were, were you know on back in the fifties when I was in my twenties, um, but I, I I was severed literally every relationship I had, every relationship I had outside of my parents, um, and my next door neighbor I'd grown up with, and uh, I moved back home that same week, and for the next two years I was a hermit. I went from being an extrovert, drinking and partying six nights a week, to not talking to anybody. I got three jobs to keep myself busy. Matter of fact, I worked for Coke uh, intentionally because I had to be in the grocery store at 4.30 a.m. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which were my heaviest drink day, days to be out partying. Um, and I did that intentionally so that that lifestyle would be easier to kick. Um, Are you sure that uh, you weren't thinking, hey, this, I'm going to go work for Coke thinking it was a totally different industry? No, no. <laughs> I was, no. <laughs> I, I happened to look for something that would fill the time slot where I wouldn't, I would not, not even want to, where I couldn't go out Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, mm. because those are the nights where I would make the most, I would choose to make the, the worst decisions. Um, and that, that really, so May 31st, 2011 is when my, my BC, my before Christ life literally ended period. And then a whole new journey began and my good God, the next four years were difficult. Um, but without that, I probably would still be living the same lifestyle. Might not even, honestly, might not even have breath in my lungs. Who knows? That's a good, very good possibility there with the lifestyle that you were, you were on that, that track. So I think you, you drive home drunk six nights a week for seven years in a row. How many times are you going to roll the dice? Boy, someone really did love you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He had something for you. Yeah. He wanted you to, yeah. And one of my things is you're not, he won't take you until your purpose is fulfilled on the earth and yours was not. And he's trying to tell you. I love that. That's a great story, man. I love that story. Very little to do with me and everything to do with, in my opinion, God going, But that's, that's what enough. it's supposed to be, you know? That's, it's supposed to be very little of us and more of God. But yet we always try to do the opposite. Alan, you want to bring in some questions? Sure. So starting off, how did you hear about freedom? Co-horsed. <laughs> strong-armed. I don't know if you guys have taken the, taken the course yeah. as well. Um, have you discussed freedom already with the strikers? Um, this will by, be our first one. Well, this will, this will be the, the fourth one, oh. the way that we're recording. Uh, so they don't. They will have heard about freedom uh, in the recording that we do this afternoon. So, 
Okay. Okay. Yes, it's it's planned out right, but it's kind of strange how we're recording it. But all good. I was going to give a summary of what it is. Hey, I would love to hear your summary anyway. Um, asterisk taken straight from the website. <laughs> so, Freedom is a uh, um, a thirteen week small group designed by Church of the Highlands, um, and it's specifically designed to be a small group. So, anywhere between eight to twelve is what's considered um, um, the hot spot for group size. Right. And so, you walk through, um, like I said, it's thirteen weeks of curriculum to give you a little bit more foundation in who Christ is, and even more so, create an intimacy with the Lord. On, on that journey um and it's uh it's 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 great you, i think in my opinion you have between the curriculum and the conversations in the room you build relationships with people that you otherwise wouldn't um it's a great way to get slightly uncomfortable and build some intimacy with um same sex because all the freedom classes courses groups are all as far as i know mm-hmm. women are with women men are with men so it's it's a little easier to go deeper when that's the setting, um, but you dive into um, six separate areas of personal growth, one being living in the tree of life, the second being walking in the spirit, the third surrendering to Jesus, the fourth speaking words of life, which we talked about, uh, the fifth becoming a vessel God can use, which is part of my story, praise mm-hmm. God, uh, and then the sixth living as a worshiper. So this last three is what we're going to be focusing on today, right? This is your show. This is, is it, I should no. know. Why am I asking that question? I do. Yeah, I took the notes. I should no. know. Why am I asking that question? I do. Yeah, I took the notes. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, the words, I forget the actual, what you had just said, but it talked about the words that come out of your mouth. Speaking words of life. Speaking words of life. And I think that uh, that is probably one of the things that uh, I get from you. So one of the reasons why we had you on. On that, because uh, like I said, anytime I say something, um, I do hear Josh's voice going, eh, "Yeah, is that? Are you, are you sure? Tell me more about that. Is that how's that working out for you? You that, sure that's what you want to say? Yeah, uh, and he's he's learned over the past year that uh, I love self-deprecating humor. If I said that word right, yeah, it's funny to me, but I also know that it's probably not good speech, but it has been ingrained in my life for twenty-six years. That's just, it's just funny to me. I do know that now I do kind of focus on not, or I I know that that's not, it's not me. And I know my self-talk is, it's much better, which is I still like that humor, but it is important that you, you focus on what comes out. I mean, you can speak life or death into your life, into your world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you started with uh, the intro verse that the mouth speaks with the heart is full of. It doesn't mean that self-deprecating, you know, comedy is a bad thing, but if you truly look at how often or how frequently, maybe that's kind of coming out. Where might the root of that be? And it doesn't mean that you're ill, you know, ill-intended or that you're a mean person. Matter of fact, I think you're a very likable person. Um, well, well, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's not with the cart before the horse. We can we can edit that out. Yes, yeah. Um, but even to look at the root of that is is when that started twenty six years ago. The, the the why. It's well, it might be oversimplification, but there was a comedian that that I admired or thought was funny whenever he did it, and that was his his sense of humor. So I kind of just grabbed that and kind of ran with it as well because I don't know. I just like people laughing at me. If I can make someone laugh, even though it, I don't know, it's just a, it is. There's no one. I don't think that's a deep root, but. Who knows? It could be. Could be. There's something about providing joy to someone else that intrinsically makes us feel good too. It's a way of giving, in yeah. my opinion. And, I'm a giver. And and when you get that return, you know, if when you get when you get the audience, um, whether it's one or ten thousand, that that applaud or that laugh in return, um, it's it's pretty easy to build a little bit of our own significance in that because it felt good. Well, that's I, I like the way that feels. I like the way that feels. I'm going to do that again. There we go. I did like the way people laughed at me. This guy. This guy. So what were you expecting to get out of freedom? Like when you first heard about it, what were you expecting to get out of it? So your your first question is, when did, when did I get into freedom? When did How did you hear about it? So how did I hear about it? Uh, it was offered through our church. Uh, 
and I believe this was the very first time it was offered through the church. And I, I was going, that's real cool. Hit me up on the next one. Um, and that really wasn't allowed. <laughs> I had some, my inner circle said, no, we're going to do this thing together and uh, just order your book. So strong armed into it. And um, <laughs> your second question. What were you expecting to get out of it? Thanks for that. Short-term memory. Sure, no problem. This early in the morning. What was I expecting out of it? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Um, even in my... So this was probably four-ish years ago, I think. Okay. Maybe five. I don't know how long Freedom's been in our church, but it, it was a while ago. Uh, even in that phase of life, uh, I had good guy friends but I wasn't really a good guy friend. I posted about my Alan last night. Yeah. Everyone needs an Alan. Everybody needs an Alan. Everyone Alan. needs an Alan. You're just better. You're just better in life when you have an Alan. I posted uh, yesterday was, was Alan Morris's birthday, so I posted about him. He literally, literally taught me how to be a friend. Oh, I, I ran from him and rejected him, and he chased me down lovingly and taught me how to be a friend. So when I walked into freedom... It was more. It was another one of these facades of like, oh, this is cool. Let's check the thir- this thirteen week box so I can go on with my life. Not much of an expectation, but the return. Holy cow! Holy cow! What did you learn? I knew that was coming. <laughs> that in the midst of my own humanity, I'm still good enough. And I say that as in, I mean, I, I fail constantly, daily fall short of who I say that I am, of the lifestyle and the man and the father and the husband and the friend and the business owner that I want to be daily. As a guy, and again, speaking for myself, pride has been and still is to this day, um, has been a a weight that I carry, a ball and chain that I carry. And so walking into freedom, it was one of those, I got it all together. This is why my expectation was what it was. I got it all together. Like I may get some things out of this, a nugget here or there. That's pretty cool. But this is also taking up collectively probably 20 hours of the next four months of my life. Um, so I wasn't really jazzed about it. But getting in with a group of guys, one, I knew most everyone in the room, which was nice. Two, the conversations and the dialogue laid out in the curriculum in the videos really allows a sense of humble humanity. As in, guess what? That thing you're struggling with, everyone in the room is struggling with that. Or everyone in the room has struggled with that. That thing that you've been stuck on for 10 years, seven of the eight guys in the room right now, have walked through that. And so being able to share parts of myself and disclose parts of myself and allow um, allow a few other guys into certain rooms of my heart that had been closed off gave me the ability to be human. And in doing that, I think, I don't think I know, drew me closer to Christ because I know he not only does he choose me, but he wants me just as I am. So I've said this before of like, whenever you invite people over to your house, mm-hmm. right? You, I'll speak for myself here, but whenever I invite people over to my house, like the living room looks really good. The front bathroom by the front door has a light on, has a candle lit. You walk in, we've got this nice little, little layout picture of my wife and me. When we were engaged, candles lit there. The house smells good. I've got the Glade plugins mm-hmm. in the hallway yeah. here. Yeah. Sounding familiar. The one in the dining room place is going to be, you know, I've, got, I've let the Roomba run through so the floor's clean. <laughs> looks pretty good. Um, but if you happen to go into my guest bedroom, I've got stuff stuffed in the everything in the from there. the living room went into that room. Went into that room. <laughs> um, we have a we have a closet up front, just a, a storage closet. Lots of stuff, not junk, but lots of stuff, semi disorganized in there. You go into my bedroom and end up in any of our closets. So you get the deal. And so that is how I live my life. Is mm. when I invite a, a guy into my That's a good life. Analogy. You can come in mm. when I invite Jesus into my life. Jesus, you can come in, but you need to stay out here. Stay out here where it's clean. Stay out here where it's organized, where it smells nice. Stay out here because out here is what I want you to see and think of me. That's my pride. Hmm. But it wasn't until freedom 
Now, the Lord I had already invited into certain rooms, rooms of my life. Not all of them, but a lot more. Freedom allowed me to invite men into those exposed rooms. And in return, know that they had those things as well. The freedom, the liberty, hence the course that came along with that going, I'm allowed to be human. This is awesome. I don't have to hide this. I don't have to do this on my own anymore. Matter of factly, the weight that literally felt like came off of me in a quick 13-week period is the reason why I've now taken it four times. Four times. Wow. What would, uh, out of each four times, was it the same weight or was there a different weight each time? I would say that process, that journey is, is a lot like the, uh, the layers of an onion. The majority of it the first time. But I wanted to go back through the second time to help co-lead. I knew that I have I know that I have an influence. And if I'm in the room, there's a chance that one or two guys may join up simply because oh Josh is there, then maybe this thing's okay. I don't say that to like pat me on the back, but that makes sense. They, I'm not a guy that just signs up for stuff. Somebody else familiar that they know. They yeah. go, Oh, Josh is doing it. Okay, yeah, cool. And I'm willing. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to go back to co-lead and then go back again. So I've co-lead several times. I've led once. And really it was, it was to be in the room with the same content in a different chair gave me different returns, different perspectives, different abilities. There's a section of freedom where you get to pray with your co-leader and leaders going the first time through. Um, it's a one-on-one. You go to a separate portion of the home. Um, you really get to expose something that you're dealing with, your desert or something that you're really, really carry with you. Um, and that was an amazing, amazing time. Alonzo was one of my leaders yeah. initially. And uh, I'll never forget the prayer that we had together in that moment. And so that was one perspective. But then getting to return and do it over over other men through the course uh, two, three, and four, completely different seat, completely different perspective, completely different gift in return um and really just because you know those those positions had kind of shift and my maturity in this freedom walk obviously evolved do you feel that being in the other seat helped your spiritual growth absolutely absolutely um john maxwell quoted this the other day and i i can't remember who actually said it but i'll, I'll quote john maxwell that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And so to choose a leadership seat is not comfortable. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's one of the furthest things from convenient that any person could ever choose is a leadership position. But I chose that as a way to love the men in my sphere and to give more and to be present um, and to give the gift of whoever I am and return that to them. So, yes. Was it hard being vulnerable? So, we, we talked about, you know, opening different rooms of, of your heart to the, the men in the room and letting people further in than just the lobby. Was it hard to do that? Initially, yeah. Yeah. Um, when Jesus was taking the desert, and to, to, to my belief right now, even, even today, the devil only has three tricks pride lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh all the things that I deal with every single day of my life even till today and so there's so many things in life that we can be exposed to that we can choose um, choose to expose ourselves to that can all be filtered down to in my opinion one of those three sins hmm. um, and so the, ex- the exposure of things that I was carrying or had previously carried, even if I had victory in that area, there's still shame bringing it up. Like, yeah, uh, me too. I clicked the button or I did this or I took that or whatever. Um, people look at me now because they didn't know me in my twenties. They know Josh in her thirties, the one who's half decent to be around. And they go, really? You? No. I'm like, bro, if you only knew, (laughs) like if you only knew, um, but no, I think that that's that was the beauty of it is, yes, it was incredibly difficult to choose vulnerability and to choose the humility side of of exposing those parts of me. Um, the first time was the hardest, 
But when you see when you see the dialect that comes out of it, that uh, dialect that's incorrect. When you see the dialogue that comes from a simple exposure, and the room lights up, and this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy, and all of a sudden, bro, me too. It go you 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 hold tighter. Said that wrong also. You hold a lot less tight to the things that were in those back closets. Because you see the immediate release with other men when they go, bro, me too. Can you can you pray with me about that? Yeah, I think that that's one of the reasons why we started the Mighty Anvil was because letting other men know that they're not going through something by themselves. It's not anything new. Uh, and knowing that uh, someone else has gone through it, hopefully that other person I've seen gone through it and they've, like you, have, have changed the way that they've walked, it helps those other men go, okay, it's not impossible. I'm not alone. And we all can do this together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, you know, for me, that that's what the reason why it's important for the mighty anvil to be around helping other men be who they've been called to be. You know, in this, uh, we talk about what overflows of the heart. One of the things that we pay attention to, or we try to focus on in our culture is to be unoffended. What's a tool that you use to stay unoffended or to correct the offense in your heart so it doesn't go out into the world? Does that make sense? So you said specifically, and I know this is something, this is not something I disagree with, but I tread on those lines of having a spirit of unoffense. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's the right approach. Okay. Because being offended is literally a, a, an emotional response in the midst of a moment, which is completely okay. It's what you do with it. Hmm. I can be offended, but if I'm mature enough to walk through that, then I've not only put myself in a better spot, but I've likely influenced someone else. Because if you're ever offended, it's not just you. Always involves a second or potential third party. But the how I respond to it. So... Your question is, how do I navigate a spirit of inoffense? And then what else? That's it. Uh, how do you navigate that? How do you keep from being offended? Or actually what you're saying is, how do I keep demonstrating my offense to the world? Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, let it circle. In junior high, I was well known as the school fighter. I would jack some people up. I lived in in-school suspension. Like SpaghettiOs and a thermos was, was the majority of my lunches in junior high. Because that's the only thing that stayed hot <laughs> for five or six hours until lunchtime came around. Um, so I, I was known for, I was the guy that was going around busting people. Um, different life. <laughs> but in most scenarios, when I am offended, when I feel a stirring and I kind of want to go there because my natural, my natural, my default response is to buck up when I'm offended is I feel some sort of attack and my response is to respond with like or and it, take it up a notch, take it up a notch because that's how we roll in our house. Um, but I've also realized that based upon my core values that's not who I am I also know that where that takes you and that's not a hill that I want to die on it's not a sword that I want to fall on um, because there's so many eyes that see who I am there's a lot of people that are watching that I don't even know oh man <laughs> it's true yeah it is true I don't want to yeah, keep going I, I could sidetrack on that we can no go it's all good um, but I'd say the last the last reason or last thing about choosing how I walk through that is acknowledging in myself the emotional response and letting it circle. So let it circle. Um, whether that's five minutes a day, several days, there, there have been times where I'll, I'll just let something circle in my head before I actually respond. And what's interesting is if I give it a little bit of time, Usually I'm not so amped up about it as I was initially. I'm able to see different perspectives. I'm able to see 
uh, different um, potential reasons why party X or Y or Z said or did whatever they did. And then I go, probably, probably didn't mean that. If you're in my world, you're, you're not a knucklehead. I don't do life with knuckleheads. Yeah. I also don't do life with drama. So when, when that shows up, um, if you're going to be in my world, and this is not me being like, hey, I only want great people. I do want great people. But your lifestyle speaks for you. And so if you're a knucklehead, listen, you're going to fix that. I'm going to help you walk through that. Or you can sit in the gallery. <laughs> it's just, that's just how it is. Um, so it's not that I don't get offended, because I do. But I want to make sure that, that who, who I am in my response is still the man my wife wants to be married to. And it's, mm. it's the father that I want my daughter to see in the midst of that. Because she's watching. She, she is, is absolutely watching. watching. Yeah, It reminds me of, um, I'm going to butcher this guy's last name, Chris Lucchesi. Lucheski? Lucchesi. Lucchesi. I asked him. Okay, yeah. So like he, the boot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he, he, I remember in one of the marriage classes he had, because you were talking about responding and, and what you do with the offense. I remember one of the marriage classes he had stated that there was a book called Emotional Intelligence that he read. And I believe that he said that in the book there are three questions that, that you need to ask yourself before you respond. Does something need to be said? Does something need to be said by me? And does something need to be said by me right now? And if any of those answers is no, let it go. Let it go. Let well, it you go. know. So it kind of reminds me of what you were saying. Just like let it circle. Let it sit on it. Marinate on the Well, don't marinate on it. But just don't, you know, don't jump to, like you want to dance? Let's dance then. But don't jump to that response just yet. Just like kind of sit back and go, well, let me try to look at it from another perspective. And go. Okay, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense now. Perspectives are important. And I hope that y'all aren't going to be offended, but I'm going to go pay some bills right now. So, uh, Strikers, hold on tight. We'll be right back. All right, Strikers, we are back with Josh Lashua talking about the Freedom Class. It's kind of unusual that uh, in, in the podcast that we've been, we've been recording, typically it's the guys that we have on are actually going through the book or the study or something to that effect where I felt there was value in this class, in the freedom class and what we can get out of it. And that's why we're uh, kind of going through it now because it's time to sign up for the next class. If you haven't, uh, I think all three of us would recommend you do, but that's why we're going through it now because we feel the, the importance of this. Um, so it's nothing that we're going through right now. It's just that we find some importance in freedom. Do you think people have the right or wrong idea about forgiveness? Absolutely. If we, if we didn't feel that way, it would be freely given. Well, for, <laughs> for me, I will tell you, uh, it took probably about six years ago is when I ran into this. Maybe even longer than that because I had a situation in my life to where I didn't want to forgive. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, someone tried to attack me and my wife through our kids. And guarantee you, <laughs> you think that I'm a nice guy, but uh, you, you, you cross that line and, yeah, I'm wearing my wrestling shirt. I, I know how to wrestle with some things. Um, but I woke up one morning saying the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me as I forgive others. Oh, 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 mm. oh um, yeah, I wasn't going to be forgiven at that time. Uh, so that that was the, the sentence that really woke me up. Yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You really did. It, my goodness, to, to truly forgive someone when you feel, when you feel, that's all it is. Unless somebody physically came after you, when you feel attacked, there's 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 an emotional stamp. It is time stamped like a photo. This place, this time, on this day, there you go, and you put it you put it in your in your book. It's stamped there, and you carry it with you. Um, and it, it is just something that, over the course of time, you end up filling up your book like it's a passport. Like through my life, 
these are the things that I've gone through. And matter of factly, uh, if we sit down and have a couple drinks, I'm going to pull it out and start telling you about it. Lots of people do that. And our pastor says, until you're willing to not talk about it anymore, yeah. mm. then you know you've actually moved beyond it. But for forgiveness specifically, I think it's an exposure of self, in my opinion. Um, when you choose to forgive, and again, this, this is probably 98% of fabricated statistic. In my, in my thought, like 98% of, of all potential scenarios where somebody could experience an offense are likely not physical. But there's, an, like I said, there's an emotional stamp that goes along with it, and it hurts. And if we're not choosing to allow that feeling, we want to be unoffendable. But we're still offended. I'm just not talking about it. It's the same thing. Now you're harboring it. When you harbor it, it's like taking weeds and planting it in your garden and going, yeah, this will work out well. This flower blooms pretty Yeah, let's see how that looks in about three weeks, all the rain. Um, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. But I think it's an exposure of self, to be honest with you. If you're, if you're able to forgive, because it's a conscious choice to say, you did me wrong. One of my core values is honor. And we're taught in, our, in the Elevate Life house that I honor because I'm honorable, not because you deserve it. So again, that's, that's, that's the maturity of, of where I sit now of one, letting things circle, two, allowing myself to be offended, but what do I do with it is I honor in return. Now, I know that sounds really cliche. It's like, bro, but if someone did X, Y, or Z to your daughter, like how would you respond? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question, but that's also why I need people in my, in my corner. Um, so that, you know, my natural response is, well, let's go put on the tag vest. You come to my house, I'm well equipped. Um, let's roll out, let's, you know, let's, let's dig a hole. As a guy, that can be the natural response. Am I actually going to do that? No, that's stupid. <laughs> As a guy, I'd probably <laughs> come... On the edge of doing that. But, yeah, anyway. There's, there's not a whole lot of scenarios that are worth life in prison. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, honestly. No, I mean, yeah. But the, he, no, he's right. Because, I mean, there, there are times when, you know, the voice in your head's like, you know, like, come on, dude. You're too old for that. You got a wife. You got a kid. Like, really? And then other times, like, no, do it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Sometimes I do it. Let's see what happens. Feels good. Wait. Initially, it does. No, I need no, to go through freedom again. No, no, no. But it, it, I think. That, but the truth is, I think initially it does feel good. It does feel good to to tell somebody off. It does feel good to go. Well, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you now. But then, when you think back on it later, you go, "I really shouldn't have done that." Yeah. How especially does, when how our, does that help? Especially when our great commission is to bring people to Jesus. Yeah. I guess that doesn't really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're a Christian. That's the Christian. That's exact. So Mike Lynn at Grace Point, he actually, he said that sometimes, I think he was quoting somebody else, but basically he, he had said that sometimes you are the only Bible that somebody else sees. Oh. Mm. So the fact that, you that, know, like that Josh, you, you that said. That makes me want to sit up straight. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but the fact, Josh, you said that like people are always watching. He, and he said that people are always watching. They are always watching. They're always, always watching. And so, you know, the re, the way that you respond to somebody might be the only like oh so that's how christians are okay yeah. i got it gandhi said i love your jesus but you're christians yep i got a little story just kind of prove that everybody watches so when i go to church there is a row a seat a location that i have sat in for 12 years um i've recently moved uh, but at that time i would always sit in this seat one time i was asked to go sit on the opposite side of of service and I'm looking for a seat and a lady uh, an usher comes up to me and goes you're a little lost aren't you what are you doing over here don't you sit over there and I had no idea who this lady was but it just kind of goes to show that someone's always watching you and noticing I mean it, it wasn't that she's seen me one time sitting over there she saw me regularly over there so there's someone always watching Maybe she's sleeping behind us because my daughter's here today to kind of help out with pictures, but I'm not, she's always watching, right? So, yeah, uh, I need to be that Bible that 
they haven't seen in the beginning or before. Yeah. And for a, for a new, a new parent, yes. um, this is, so, um, I prescribe to, um, Dr. Gabor Matei. If you haven't, if you haven't found him or ran across him, he's brilliant. 70 plus year old Holocaust survivor. That is a medical doctor, um, and a child psychologist. Brilliant man. Brilliant man. Um, was explaining how in the first three years of a child's life that the different portions of the brain based upon the environment that we create for our child, because they, they can't talk to us. There's no dialogue. It's, it's cry, poop, sleep. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> you did right. it. Yeah. Ready to go. Good job. Get a cookie. But in the first three years of our, our children's life, the different portions of their brain from the logical side to the emotional side, what they experience um, grows um, to to the portion that they will carry into their adulthood, if that makes sense. So their their logical response, their emotional response, their frontal lobe, these things based upon the environment that we create for them, um, whether it's safety or whether it's traumatic, and those are two varying ends of the spectrum, but I'm trying to draw a picture, certain sections of the brain grow and then between age three and seven, those areas just completely fill out so that by the age of seven, a child's brain is 90% the size that it's going to be as an adult. So if, if in the first three years, if we somehow get parenting semi-right, the sections of a child's brain that feels secure, it feels attached, it feels loved, um, there's a peaceful uh, ambience in the home. Um, sections, certain, the sections of the brain that allow that child to feel that way will be will be larger. Fast forward to seven years, and the brain is ninety percent the size that, it'll, that the brain will be in the kiddo as a full grown adult. Then, Doctor Gabor, now this is this is an asterisk, but basically says if you get the first three years of a child's life really really well, you could almost almost be a a jackhole the rest of its life and its chance of success um, and ability within society is is in the top 1%. Hmm. Now you get years 3, 1 through 3, and then 4 through 7 well, then that, that child is going to be in the elite of elites. And so as a new parent to realize people are always watching yeah. and that our kids are always watching, how important crucial critical the first three years are you get those right and you set your child up for incredible success for emotional intelligence for the ability to be present the the ability to grow and and to learn to attach healthily to others um, to navigate conflict all those things are incredibly important and then you get you get it again through year seven you could probably and again this is an asterisk so take it for what it is fall off the planet and your child will not grow up um, needy or um, looking for any sort of substance to fill a void or things like that. So just how incredible the first seven years are, hmm. which is it's it's mind blowing neuroscience and, and the neurochemistry yeah. and the development of the brain. But as a new parent, like why do I let it circle? Why is my response easier than it used to be? Because I see my little and I go, my goodness. She's watching. Oh yeah, I, 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 you know, get on, drop a knee, and and tie a shoe, and he's got Velcro shoes on. And he wants to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean it's that simple, but yeah, yeah, your dad. Mm. All right, so sorry, it was a rabbit hole. <laughs> no worries, no worries. That's what this is all about. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to do with the podcast personally was tell some stories that uh, have got along the way of me. And um, maybe that someone says, oh, I went through that as well. I think we discussed that a little while ago. But I have a story for you. And as I'm telling this story, the question is, how do you rebuild trust in a relationship? Is it different with a friend as opposed to a wife? So I'm trying to rebuild a relationship right now. As a young, stupid 28, 29-year-old dating my wife, I had told her that I would never love her large. Understanding now 
what that has done. I wonder how I can how I can fix that. How I can start rebuilding different walls after I tear down the walls that I've already built up. Knowing uh, what your podcast is about, teamwork, and can't wait for that to come out to, to start listening to that. But what would you say? How would you answer that question? And I'll repeat it. You don't have to, unless you want to. How do you rebuild trust in a relationship? Thank you for exposing that. That's not that's not easy at all. And oh, how wise we are in our 20s. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's the quote? Uh, my dad was an idiot until I turned 20 or 32 or something like that. Then he was the wisest man I've ever known before. Pretty so. much. I had life figured out at 19. So just so you all know. False. I was an idiot <laughs> at 19. Um, so I think the very, the very first step that I would recommend for anyone who's in, in that seat is self-forgiveness. To be able to look at 20-year-old, 28-year-old self and say, bro, you, you were not wise. And you know what? As a 20-something-year-old, that's okay. Because luckily, 40-year-old me or 50-year-old me or 60-year-old me or 70-year-old me, I don't care the age, is not who 28-year-old me was. It's not. Nope. So I forgive 28-year-old version because the wisdom that I have now, the lifestyle that I have now, the choices that I make now, the man that I am now is foundationally built on that knucklehead. <laughs> you wouldn't be sitting where you are right? if you didn't have those experiences. So when allowing yourself to forgive yourself and say, I'm human, you know, so is everyone else in this room and that's okay. And then secondly... Rebuilding the foundation of anything, friendship or spouse or partner or child or whatever it may be. All that you can control is yourself. And that's got to be your focus. I think we put time and effort into things, specifically our emotional effort into things. And if we don't see the return based upon whatever time frame that we've built, then we get frustrated. And that's normal. That's normal. Um, it can be a week, it can be a month, it can be six months, it can be 10 years that somebody can be living a different lifestyle, being the best version of themselves and not really see the return on that. But here's the thing, if it's something that's truly valuable to you, I'll say it this way. It's like if you're, if you're rebuilding this building that we're in and you were rebuilding the foundation because this is where you're going back to foundational stuff. It's like rebuilding a 100,000 square foot foundation one Lego at a time. And each Lego is the consistent, humble, honoring, best version of you. Now that is a long-term commitment, but it's what you have to commit to is that each, each act of goodness, each act of sweetness, each act of letting it circle even when I'm offended, each act of allowing humanity to be the response versus what I want to see. Like, where's the gratitude? Where's the thank you? Don't you see what I'm doing? Going, no, that's not why I cleaned your car. That's not why I put gas in it. That's not why I did the dishes. This is a Lego. <laughs> Every single one. And realizing that it could, it could take a while. I don't know if you've seen a Lego, but 100,000 square feet of them could a take a while. Quite a lot of Legos. Just hope you don't step on one. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I feel like I stepped on one that uh, I was going to put. I don't know. Yeah, they hurt. They hurt sometimes. They do. So, so self forgiveness. The de the decision you decide. This is important, and I'm going to see it through. And three. Giving yourself the time to see it through. I think to see it through. I think time's important because uh, as I as I go through this process of pulling walls down and getting ready to build stuff up, I'm like, man, I'm ready. Why can't we do? Why can't this happen now? But it took 
19 years to get to this point what makes me think that it's going to take six months to to repair that you know or to rebuild it it's just uh it's like it, it could be you know uh, thank goodness for my core value of perseverance because 19 years what makes me think it's not going to take 19 years to repair that so and it could but it doesn't have to you know all it takes is one touch of god's favor and something can be restored in a moment and the god that we serve is a god that makes up for lost time amen he does and it gets sweeter and so, yes, you commit to a minimum of 16 years, but know that in a moment, your consistency, your choices, who, you're, who you are from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, the man that you are when nobody's watching, that man, the consistency of him is, is how and when and, and the man God wants to work his blessing through. And in a moment, eyes are open, like Saul's story. Yeah. That's good. And I think that we need to end on that because that was good. Okay. So next week we will be. Yeah, I know. No. It's kind of like, like I said, we were kind of recording out of order. Yeah. So uh, next, the next episode we have, what are we doing? This is the last episode of the, oh, we got uh, brotherhood. We're going to reach back around and yes. do uh, brotherhood. We've got, uh, so we had the old, the old guard come in and talk about brotherhood and have them on. Uh, we've actually got Jeremiah coming in with his bro. Young guns. And, and talking about what brotherhood looks like in a younger generation. Uh, I am really looking forward to that because I, I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's just something new to me. And I'm like, is this, is this something that's been picked up by those guys? Or is this just something that it comes with age and wisdom? <laughs> well, I don't think we should. Anyway, where was I going with the wisdom thing? Kids can be uh, wise as well. So I'm hoping to glean off a little bit something that they got going on and, and kind of interested to see what they bring to the table when it comes to brotherhood. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah. As a tradition here, uh, we have our guest pray us out. And uh, one of uh, an amazing prayer warrior we have in the room today. So I'm looking forward to this prayer. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> Are we good? We're good. We're we'll, land, we'll land the plane. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the breath in our lungs. It's a reminder of the promise of today that we can remember the yesterdays that have come and gone. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but the gift of today is what we have before us. So God, we don't take that lightly. We praise you for being so tangible in our life that as we move our feet throughout this day, you're directing our paths. God, I thank you for the ability to speak your name in a country where we're not condemned for that, that the freedom that we have is something that we're aware of, that we, again, don't take lightly, God. And we thank you for continually blessing us with the fruit of true friendship, that this, what the Mighty Amble is doing, God, is something that's so unique. It's creating dialogue amongst men, and it's just such something, God, that that uh, is so incredibly important. So we just speak your blessing over Mighty Anvil and what's, go, what's going on here, that it's going to reach the ends of the earth and, and provide um, a chasm for you to walk through and talk through and, and be with those ears and those hearts that need your hope. God, we praise you for that. And specifically when it comes to freedom, it's something that every single one of us need. It's so important that you sent your son to provide the freedom, to build the bridge, to bring heaven down to earth with his life. And God, we just ask that our life is a gift of return in the midst of our own humanity, of falling short of your glory every single day because you choose us, you love us, and you want to walk through life with us exactly where we are. God, let our lives be a beacon of hope, a beacon of your grace and a light that shines bright on a hillside so that those who are seeking you, those who are questioning you, and those who need you the most will see your story mixed into our story. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We give you the glory that you so richly deserve. In your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening, Strikers. Again, if you have questions or comments, feel free to email us at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah.